The Rewatchables on the Ringer Podcast Network is brought to you by ZipRecruiter, the 2018 presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons Podcast. It is the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. We are also brought to you by the new, all new BMW X3. I'm a huge fan of BMW. My last few cars have been BMWs. I love how the Germans make those cars. The all new BMW X3 wasn't built for everyone. It was engineered for those who share the desire of more with the level of performance you expect from a BMW. I drive 6.0 with an intuitive touchscreen, available safety features like active blind spot detection and next generation X-Drive intelligent all-wheel drive. Oh, I might have to test drive this new BMW X3. You can do it as well. You can test drive it at your local BMW center today. BMW only makes one thing, the ultimate driving machine. And we are brought to you by TheRinger.com. That's where you can find all of our sports and pop culture content. And by the way, this might be your first Rewatchables podcast. We've done a bunch of these. This is, other than my own podcast, my favorite podcast to do. I love these. I love talking about movies that I've seen a hundred times. I cannot imagine seeing a movie in the last 20 years other than maybe Boogie Nights more than I have seen Good Will Hunting. And we're going to talk about it right now with Chris Ryan, Sean Fennessy, and Shea Serrano. And then we're going to go see about a girl. Here we go. Meet Will Hunting. Do you have a photographic memory? I just kind of remember. A brilliant kid from the wrong side of the tracks. I went on a date last week. Going out again? I don't know. This girl's like smart. She's fun. She's like perfect right now. I don't want to ruin that. Maybe you're perfect right now. Maybe you don't want to ruin that. Some people can never believe in themselves. I love you. Until someone believes in them. Goodwill Hunting. Rated R. All right, fellas. We've been saying there's like seven or eight movies we've been hoarding. And I wasn't even positive we we're ever going to do them because it was more fun to just hoard the movie and not actually ever discuss doing it. But now we're doing one of them, Goodwill Hunting. We knew that this would be at least an hour and a half. <laughs> there's a weird shadow that I just want to get out of the way and not discuss it again. There is a Weinstein shadow over this movie now, like yeah. rewatching it this week. Uh-huh. And you see that Merrimax credit pop up. And everybody knows this, knows the story now. It took these guys forever to make this movie, and it was basically dead. And Weinstein saw saw it and basically got it done. Brought to and him by Kevin Smith. Brought to him by Kevin Smith. And the key to it getting done was basically Matt Damon got the Rainmaker and called Harvey Weinstein and said, "I am the Rainmaker." Yeah. And <laughs> Harvey Weinstein's like, "What? Those movies make a hundred million dollars, John Grissom movies, and then gets it done." And now there's a shadow over it. And Affleck even said recently, like he feels like the movie's been tainted a little bit. I I don't I never felt like this was a Harvey Weinstein movie. I knew Merrimax did it, but I, I never felt like he really shepherded it. Does it affect you guys at all? Let's just talk about this and then we never have to talk about it again. Yeah. I mean it it, it doesn't affect how I feel about Goodwill hunting, but I think that it's it's interesting to look back and see just how much of a of a of a hold he had on movie making at that time and that he was in the mix taking over these pretty hot projects because this was when it was at Castle Rock with Rob Reiner. It was like a very, very hot script and they were talking about all these different people playing the two main roles. And uh, so for Harvey to be able to have the muscle to jump in there, it just showed how, how much of a central figure he was in Hollywood. But I don't know necessarily that I go back and it affects how I feel about the movie. What do you think, Sean? 
Not really. I think specifically because of what Chris was saying, which is that Rob Reiner and William Goldman, I think, get a lot of credit for helping these guys figure out what the movie was going to be. And then Harvey comes in at the very last stage and lets them hire Gus Van Zandt. And that's really his role. He's just a facilitator. He's, it's not the like Shakespeare in Love where he's got his hands all over everything that's happening in the movie. He was just a facilitator. So I watched the movie again last night and I was moved and laughing. So it, I, I wasn't too overwhelmed by it. I think that we have to kind of – that's a one case where since Harvey's not an artist, it's a lot easier to separate. Well, this guy just gave people money. And yeah. These people actually made this thing. Shay? Yeah, I think I'm somewhere in between the, both of those things where it doesn't affect the movie when I watch it at all. But when you talk about it, it's a thing that has to be mentioned. So there's no way around it. It does make it a little bit worse, like it, like Affleck said. It does feel like this was peak Merrimax right here, this moment. Because, you know, everybody knows 93, 94, 95 was when the company took off. But this was like the moment where he discovered these two guys. He saved their movie. The backstory was they sold it to Castle Rock. Castle Rock buried it. There's a whole part about it. at one point they wanted Brad Pitt and Leota to be the two roles. Okay, It was a much more complicated script. It was twice as long. Mm-hmm. There was a whole part. The first part of the movie is what ended up becoming the movie. Originally their movie, the, fir- the whole movie was the first part of the movie. The second part was like they're on the run from the CIA, Chucky and... And uh, and Will, yeah, which is that kind he's of basically like remember it that became movie? a spy uh, action caper. Yeah, it's like Daryl, like was like <laughs> right. the kid who's uh the kid who's like a, a actually right. a weapon the because of his mind. Yeah, I have right. a theory about this that I don't know if I want to spoil it right now. Okay, so I think that that's essentially why Affleck did the accountant because that like <laughs> that like is the accountant yeah. is like some genius guy oh, who's also in the CIA yeah. and yeah. is part of a conspiracy. He's frustrated, yeah. never got to finish it. He thing. finally got to make his movie. So it goes to Castle Rock. <laughs> Castle Rock buries it for a year. Uh, after they had bought it for this huge bidding war, the story, everybody's seen it a million times, but Damon Affleck moved to LA. They have this money from the movie. They're living at large for a year and nothing happens with the movie. Castle Rock decides they don't want to do it. They're trying to get studios to buy it back from them. Now they're going to see all these studios who they kind of dissed when they took it to Castle Rock. And all these studios are now taking the meetings and then telling them they don't want to do it. And it seems like it's just in complete limbo. But the new Kevin Smith, they moved back to Boston. Um, the whole process was like four years. And I think at one point in one of the oral, there's an oral history that Boston Magazine did that's really good about it. And Damon basically said like he they had like uh like a, a year left to make this before he was too old to be Will Hunting. Because mm-hmm. yeah. Will Hunting is supposed to be twenty in the movie. And by the time they actually did this, he's twenty seven. And there was a there was a time period where Mel Gibson was attached yes. and was developing it, but was it was after Braveheart and he obviously had like pretty much his choice of projects at that point. And they actually went to him and said, you know, can you please let us have this back because we need to make this faster than you're ready to make it. So there's a lot of different people attached to it at various points. It's kind of a miracle got made. And the only parallel Patrick, Patrick Whitesell says is the agent that uh, the thing they were pushing for was the Rocky Sylvester Stallone. These guys wanted to be in their own movie and it was the deal breaker for them. They weren't going to let it happen unless, um, which I feel like is when Shay finally makes his movie, loosely <laughs> based on his life about, the guy fighting his way out of prison as a bare knuckles boxer, uh-huh. you'll be attached. Yeah. yeah. I'm They'll be, be like, but no, you've only do got this. a couple more years before you're too old for it. Well, yeah. Well, what's crazy is I'm going to play a 19 year old black guy. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I think this is one of the great Hollywood stories of all time. 
And then it it basically hits every part of stories that we've seen. It co- it combines all of them, including the Oscar smear campaign, because as soon as it gets done, they got nominated for nine Oscars. And then this rumor starts that they didn't write the movie and that William Goldman, who's probably the most famous screenwriter of all time, that he rewrote it, that he didn't just save it, that he actually rewrote it and that it wasn't their script. So they're dealing with that too. Here's what Goldman said. Um, Goldman swears he did not rewrite it. Now, I'm friends with him and I've been to lunch with him and I I put his <laughs> I actually like asked okay. him and really like cornered him on it and like come on tell me and he's like he swears he didn't do it and he told me what he said publicly which is that he read the script and he loved it and the only thing he told them was drop the CIA stuff like which they, is the they, same thing Rob Reiner told which yeah, yeah so he kind of backed that but he actually here's the best case I've heard for him not rewriting it he said this somewhere I would not have written the it's not your fault scene. For a long time, Hollywood always has this idea that it's this shrink with only one patient. I mean, that scene with Robin Williams gushing and Matt Damon, they're hugging. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. I thought, oh, God, Freud is so agonized over this scene. But Hollywood tends to do that with therapists. So he's now ripping the it's not your fault scene. That's great That totally makes me think he didn't write this, right? Maybe, although it, it also is the sort of thing that a screenwriter would do, which is they pick out the one scene that a lot of people both loved and were really critical of and then found a way to like put it under the bus so that he would, could distance himself from it. I, I don't think he wrote the movie. The reason I don't think he wrote the movie though specifically is because it feels like a movie written by a bunch of guys who've been waiting to put like nine stories in a movie. Yeah. And he's written, he had written 50 movies by that point. Right. So he didn't have to wait for years to write the Patty and Mary joke that Minnie Driver tells. He didn't have to wait years. The Carmine to- Scarpaglia stuff. Yeah, yeah. All that stuff just <laughs> yeah. feels like something you've been holding on to since high school. Right. And, so it, it just doesn't feel like a first time. It feels like first time guys. Shay, you convinced they wrote this? Yeah, they definitely wrote it. I There's so much inside Boston stuff in this movie. There's no way William Goldman would have known yeah. any of this. There's actually, like 40 different wrinkles that only people who lived in Boston would get. I'm actually friends with Matt Damon, like your friends. <laughs> and yeah. I cornered him on it and he told me he told me that they wrote it. He swore. Um, they were the youngest guys to win Oscars. They won it for best screenwriting. They became huge overnight stars in a way that this happened with Leo basically the same year. That same year, because Titanic won best picture, Goodwill Hunting got nominated, didn't win. But that same and Boogie Nights, one of the great years of movie history. You have these massive careers getting launched, basically, all within this five month time frame, right? Can you yeah. remember a year like that? It's hard. The industry was so different then. It was like you could make a really successful movie with a small company and you could also and also big companies knew how to make big, successful original movies. I mean, all of those movies are all original stories like we don't Titanic and and Boogie Nights and Goodwill Hunting are not like based on anything. I mean, yeah. one of them is based on a historical event, obviously, but it just feels so different now. When you look at the most successful movies of the year this year, they're so different. And all of them were so ambitious too. It's also the scale. You know? I mean, it's just so it's interesting to go back to that to that Weinstein quote or what they what he reacted to about the Rainmaker when he was like, "That movie makes a hundred million dollars," and it's like a hundred yeah. million dollars is an utter failure for like right. sixty percent of Hollywood movies now. Like that's that, Den of Thieves. Yeah, now. you know what I mean. It's right. <laughs> Den of Thieves will be lucky to make a hundred million dollars. Do you um, think the Den of Thieves plot is the back half of the Goodwill Hunting yeah. plot that we never saw? <laughs> I think Chucky grows up to be Big Nick from Den <laughs> of Thieves. Um, the the 
other piece with this, Robin Williams, that was another Hollywood, like generic Hollywood plotline piece where you kind of have to get the star to get the movie made. And they go and they get Robin Williams, who at that point is still an A-plus list movie star. He hadn't had one in a couple of years. I think he had did Mrs. Doubtfire. And then I think he had one other one the year before, but he it was just starting to slip for him. And this, he ended up winning the Oscar. This was it. I could argue who should have won the Oscar for Dead Poets Society, especially if it was Best Supporting Actor instead of Best Actor. But uh, nine nominations in all. Minnie Driver got nominated. Mm-hmm. She's excellent. You're okay with that? She's yeah, excellent. she's great okay. in this movie. Yeah. Gus Van Sant got nominated. Damon lost Best Actor. Do you know who? I don't. Shay? I have no idea. I don't. Jack Nicholson in As Good As It Gets. Oh, oh man. yes. Who are, who are the other nine? Nom- that has not aged well. That hasn't aged well. That's what I was going to say. I actually think Damon now, retroactively, 20 years later, probably got robbed. Who were the other nobody nominees? Nobody else could have played Hunting. Uh, that was the only, that was the only one I wrote down. <laughs> Van Sant lost for uh, lost to James Cameron for Titanic. Affleck did not get nominated for supporting. Robin Williams did. The other four were Greg Kinnear and as good as it gets. Another performance that has not aged well. Robert Forster, Jackie Brown, Burt Reynolds and Boogie Nights, Anthony Hopkins and Amistad. That is what a, like a weirdly loaded category yeah. for best supporting actor. Uh, for Robin Williams, this was it. His next six movies were What Dreams May Come, Patch Adams, Jacob the Liar, Bicentennial Man, AI, One Hour Photo, and Death to Smoochie. So Hold on, I, I heard the four Oscar. good movies in there. Oh, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> sorry Shay. My apologies. <laughs> uh, might be the best Boston movie ever. I want to have that discussion you later. Have to tell us I'm going to have it now. Yeah. It's on the short list, and we can, we're going to talk about that much later. For me personally, I was living in Boston. We used to have this weekly magazine called The Improper Bostonian. I'm not even positive that still exists. There was like The Phoenix and then The Improper Bostonian. And this coffee place I used to go to called Sorelli's Bakery in Charlestown, they used to get these issues because they were free. And I specifically remember one one week, Damon and Affleck were on the cover. And this was like... As they were making the movie, so we're talking like late 96, early 97, and it was basically like, these kids finally making the movie they've been trying to make for three years. And I remember reading this story and going, holy shit, I I hope these kids make it, these Boston kids. (laughs) And it told the whole story. I looked for it online. It wasn't Do you remember them shooting it in the city at all? I don't. Because I, I remember hearing about it, but I don't remember like it was mostly in Southie. Great story about uh when they shoot the scene of the swans, uh in the, the park scene. Yeah, in the park. And that like three thousand people were watching. Right. And, like it had gotten out that they were making this movie and that Robin Williams was making a movie in Boston Common and like they had to basically get like the police had to basically get people to shut up so that they could shoot this incredibly important, intimate scene at the park. And but that it had turned into a spectator sport when they would shoot. People out. knew like Robin Williams was in Boston right. filming. I remember but they did that a lot of it in I was Toronto working, too, so I just didn't know how yeah. much in Boston they did. Yeah, I was totally immersed in the bar restaurant scene at that point, and never heard about Damon and Affleck. But it was like, yeah, Robin Williams is here. They're filming yeah. some movie, but that was like Blown Away was the first Boston movie where they were like, we're filming a movie in Boston, and that was like a big deal for everybody in Boston. Oh my god, they're filming. So anyway. uh, I remember reading about this and then I saw the movie that winter and I was dating this girl who lived in Chicago who in my columns 
was the original sports gal because I had had the Digital <laughs> City Boston <laughs> column. And it was the first year I had it. And I called her the sports gal in the column and saw this movie. And she was had moved to Chicago. So we were dating long distance. And I had gone to Chicago twice. I really liked her. But she I had gone to Chicago twice and it was freezing cold. I had no money whatsoever. The plane tickets were like 350 bucks and it was just expensive. And she was making more money than me. And I was like, I don't know how this can work. I don't know how this can work with her in Chicago. And I saw this movie. What did you say to him? Just slid my ticket across the table and I said, sorry guys, I gotta see about a girl. <laughs> I gotta go see about a girl? Yeah. That's what you said? I had. And they let you get away with that? Oh yeah, they saw in my eyes and I meant it. You're kidding me. No, I'm not kidding you, Will. And I saw the go to see, uh, I'm going to go see about a girl scene. And I had like this life moment. <laughs> and I was like, would I do that for this girl? And I was like, I wouldn't. I don't want to leave Boston. I, I feel like something good's happening. I can't leave. I wouldn't go see about a girl. And we broke up like within a week. I really, of this movie. really, really hope she's not listening to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I said I really liked her. How many sports gals have there been? Is it like in there's Princess Bride? There's only been Bride? two. Yeah, <laughs> there's the, only been with two. With the Dread Pirate Robert? And there's, you've been doing it for 50 the, years? There's only been two. Okay. Speaking of William Goldman, the Princess Bride reference. <laughs> Chris, have you ever had to go see a bad girl? Uh, yeah, but it didn't work out. So it's like, just because you go see a bad girl doesn't mean necessarily you're going to wind up with that person. Right. Yeah. Shay? No, I, I didn't. You're not messing with Laramie. Even mm. if you did see a better girl, you're not saying that. <laughs> I, Lara, she's 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 100% perfect, and I never did anything what wrong. Are we, what do we categorize? This is like drop everything and, and make an impromptu kind of rescue mission on a relationship? Yeah. yeah. I, would, I would do that, but I have not yet. Sean, Sean's been dating the same girl He's since like ninth yes, grade. See no, I don't. The, the problem that I have with go see about a girl is it seems more romantic than I think it ultimately is because damaged Will Hunting right. fucked up a nice relationship with a smart, yeah. cool woman and then is like, shit, now I got to drive across the country. Like it doesn't it, 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 it's not like, oh, we got into a fight and now I got to go meet her at a bar later. Like he destroyed young love. And then it was like, I'm going to drive. No, he didn't destroy it. He just bucked back a little bit. No, the reality <laughs> is that girl's never taken he him back. He straight up looks her in the face and is like, I don't love you. I don't you. love yeah. you. But she, she, but she knew. Yeah. She, he had just explained why. Like, she was smart enough to understand he's lashing out because of all of this stuff right. that he's experienced. True. She's going to know. And she's also going to take into consideration, he's fucking driving across the whole country, yeah. which is more than enough punishment for a fight. That's, That's true. fine. Also, That's that guy fine. could probably run NASA, so he's got he's got some growth potential. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's true. Uh, Shay, I'm going to disagree with you. I I don't think she takes him back. I think he demolished wow. her in the in the room that night. When you look at somebody and you tell them you don't love them and you walk out, I don't know how that how anyone comes back from that. See, she's going to hold the grudge the whole time. I know that that she's able to come back from it because of the f- conversation they have afterward when when they're she, when they're talking. She's broken. And she still he wants broke her. She's done. Fantasy does that to me every day at the end of at the end of the workday, and I come back the next day. It's a motivational She's, strategy, though. I don't think that's what Will Hunting was doing. Her dad died. Will Hunting demolished her. I think he's probably still not married. Probably doesn't trust men anymore. Would be my guess. Wow. Uh, Will Hunting like took her to the darkest of places. Probably divorced twice. It does raise something that I have always wanted, which is this does feel like a movie that you could have a twenty years later sequel for. Oh yeah, this is a total before sunrise before yeah. sunset movie. Save that, because that's coming. Um, Actually, let's take a break, and we're going to come back with the categories. Hold on, quick break to talk about Hotel Tonight. 
Too bad they didn't have this in 1998 for Will Hunting. But if you're like me and you're not so great at planning ahead for things like Valentine's Day, there's an awesome app called Hotel Tonight that helps you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Unlike flights, hotel rates get cheaper, usually, at the last minute. Hotel Tonight helps hotels sell their unsold rooms, allowing them to pass those deals along to you. Not for last resort places, but cool, top-rated hotels. Hotel Tonight has over 15,000 awesome partner hotels in 36 countries. Perfect for a spontaneous getaway or trip you've wanted for a while. You can actually book a room with Hotel Tonight up to seven days in advance, even book up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities. And with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program, the more you book, the better the deals get. Whether you need a sweet deal on a nice room for today, for Valentine's Day, to see about a girl or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. Start scoring amazing deals at incredible hotels and download the Hotel Tonight app right now. All right. Every time on the rewatchables, we go through the categories. We're going to do most rewatchable scene. I always try to narrow this down to six or five or six categories. I just couldn't because this is a movie that is to me is like not just a great movie, but the quintessential cable movie. I feel like it's been on for 20 years on some channel. Just fucking chant. Oh, it's and you come in on this part. So it's it's constantly been tested over and over again. This part's coming up. Oh, I'll stay for 10 minutes. Here are the nominees. The playground slow motion fight scene. <laughs> the battle with ponytail guy. The I will end you scene. Uh, the park bench monologue. Pudge Fisk. There's a great stretch from Will laying into Lambo and he's like, I'm sorry, this is so fucking hard for you. <laughs> Whatever that. Uh, you know how fucking easy this is for me? Uh, through the baseball glove scene, through the year the shepherd scene is just a great like 12 minutes. The Chucky construction, best part of my day scene. It's not your fault. And then Chucky realizing Will left. What is the single most rewatchable scene? We'll start with Chris. So rewatchable scene for most me rewatchable. is, is the coming punch- on. You're like, oh, oh, I have five minutes. Oh, I'm going to stay Red for this. Red Sox story. The Pudge Fist story. Wow. Because it's Coming funny. Coming from a Philly fan. It's a twist. funny. It's relatable. It's got a great, great twist to it. It's just so, you know what the twist is coming, but the way that Damon is cracking up and just getting so genuinely locked in, you can tell that they've made this connection, even though they're not talking about therapy. And uh, it's, it's, it's just does a great job at all the physical acting Robin Williams does. So I, I, I love that scene. It's great filmmaking. The way he cuts in the stuff from the movie, and uh-huh. then the overhead yeah, shot the where they show them bang each other, him and reenacting the 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 get over, get over, get over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What I like about the overhead shot is the furniture is set up like the bases. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hit, hitting each one of them. You That's know, a great scene. they they weren't positive they were getting the baseball footage for that. Mm. They kind of did the scene, and then Harvey Weinstein had to do Harvey Weinstein stuff basically. But they baseball licensed nothing at that point. So imagine that scene with no baseball. It wouldn't footage. work as well. Just wouldn't work. Here's my issue with that scene. I knew you would have one. <laughs> I just don't think anybody who loves the Red Sox can get that <laughs> ticket. <laughs> they've, been, what? they've been in the World Series twice in 28 years. It's game six. Oh, my God. I don't care bro. how much you like that girl. They've been in 67 and 46. This is game six at Fenway's That's got tickets. That's the point of the story. But I just don't think he's a real Red Sox fan. I think he'd give up the tickets. I had the same problem with Fever Pitch. Jimmy Fallon's going to give up his... 
tickets in the fourth row for Drew Barrymore. Like, no fucking way. Nobody gives up those uh-huh. tickets. Are we comparing Fever Pitch and Goodwill Hunting? Yes. Yep. I'm comparing it from like <laughs> Hollywood interpreting how a Red Sox fan would feel about blank. So you're the friend, when good, when Will Hunting is like, how did your friends let you do that? You would have been one of the friends who were like, there is absolutely <laughs> no way you're skipping this game. I would to have been so upset. With, with I just would have been in disbelief. That's why I think he was kind of an artsy fartsy smart guy. I think his friends weren't like real Red Sox fans. He was a, a, this is a take and a half. You <laughs> think that Sean McGuire is basically a limousine liberal <laughs> that little bit. lace curtain motherfucker a to quote bit. Leo from Departed or a to quote bit. Mark Wahlberg. I'm a little Departed. dubious of his friend. <laughs> I think his friends were like Jerry Lambeau people okay. like that. I don't think they were people that love sports. That's my take. Mm. I I'm wow. You guys are I'm shocked stunned. by that take. <laughs> I just that's listen. That's tough. I'm stunned every time he gives up the ticket, and I've seen that movie a hundred times. Like, oh my god, you gave up Game Six. That's Will Hunting's reaction. In that scene is my reaction every time I watch it. Okay, Shay, would you have given up Game? You can't ask him. He wins the title every three years. I'm yeah. I guess that's a <laughs> yeah. I'm good. Yeah, sorry, Shay. It's like which Spurs title would you give away to have a drink with a woman? Shay, what's your most rewatchable scene? It's got to be the ponytail. It's got to be Clark. I I like that scene because it sort of sets the movie in motion. It's also the only scene you've mentioned here where we get a tiny bit of what makes every character great in that thing. Like we get Ben Affleck being charming and funny without being threatening. We get Minnie Driver making her little comment to Clark that sort of makes Matt Damon smile. You get Matt Damon flexing for the first real time how smart he is and how much smarter he is him not wanting to do it and him eventually being forced into it just to save his friend. You get the quick little shot from Casey Affleck at the end. Our boy's wicked smart. And then walks away. Like great it's Casey all, Affleck in that. It's all great. That whole, There's no way you can skip past that scene ever. So it's in my top three, but here's my nitpick with that oh, one. Oh, Lord. I think Affleck and Cole Hauser throw down immediately. I don't even think it gets to the Will Hunting part. Maybe Cole Hauser. The moment po- Ponytail guys addict to those guys, it's going down. Here's They're not waiting. These are guys that are just randomly driving by a playground. It's like, isn't that that guy who you don't like? And they all get and out of the car and they fight mind that, five guys. Uh, they know the bouncer at that bar. So they feel like they could probably, you know, maybe they, they can get in there and get out of there without the cops being called. So that was actually my, that's my issue with the scene where they're like, oh yeah, uh, Casey's bouncing at this bar, you know, in Cambridge. Near, in Cambridge. But like, why does it matter if a guy is bouncing? Like, why is that a better bar I don't think to they would have gotten in otherwise. But why would they want to go to that bar? Because I think place? it was an MIT Harvard bar. Probably. Yeah. Why do they want to go to that bar? Be what is these my kids? They want to explore. <laughs> yeah, they want. They, <laughs> been to a, because a, they go to the same bars every day. Yeah, they wanted to let's d- try a new thing. Yeah, it's a twenty minute. Were they like, I'm going to find my people in the Harvard bar? No, they're just going no, they to mix to it go up, make fun of. People yeah, is what they wanted. By the way, that's okay. that was a totally realistic Boston scene. Yeah, there's probably, there always like people drifting from neighborhood to neighborhood. Yeah, there's probably a scene prior to that where the bouncer was sitting around with Chucky, and he's like, "Oh." Yeah. And then this bar, and then he's like, oh, it's a Harvard bar? Oh, okay, we're all, we okay. all gotta go. Here's a more specific Probably question. Probably it's a girl thing. It's a different type of girl than the There's girls they're too. hanging out with. If you're just a local lo- local group of guys from Southie, you can't get into a Harvard bar? It's not that you can't get in. It's just, 
But there's you, a line outside that bar when they show up bar, and they yeah. cut the line and the bouncer lets True. them in. The line thing's probably the thing. Okay. Well, although they get inside the bar and it doesn't look that populated and it's basically a bar with like Papa Shot and like Bud Light. That's pictures. what I'm saying. It's so just it looks like a sports bar. It's a hot spot, but there weren't a ton of bars. There are those in weird places in Harvard Square too, like Charlie's and stuff that were like super popular, but were basically just holes in the wall. Yeah. 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 I went. I went to school at Sam Houston State, which is like the Harvard of Texas. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's in it's in Huntsville. Yeah. And there was very much a separation between the people who lived in Huntsville who didn't go to school versus the the Tennis. college yeah. kids who yeah. did. And there was always conflict there. They were they were referred to as the townies. But so we had like a poster with there was a, There's a bar where only college kids go and then a group of townies show up yeah it was always like a thing so right i think that's pretty and those guys are looking for conflict which is my point i think they're thrown down with ponytail i don't think damon ever even has to do anything cole Cole hazard's punching that guy in the face it's my favorite immediately he's the well we're gonna get to him okay favorite uh rewatchable scene for sean there's i have an honorable mention that you didn't mention which is um retainer like Mm. that whole (laughs) yeah ben affleck (laughs) flexing in front of the three guys yep I, you know, I, we can get to Apex Mountain and all that stuff later, but like this was way more Ben Affleck's movie than I remembered when I was rewatching it. I was like, holy shit. I wish he was just this actor all the time. Yeah. He's so funny and so charming and so weird. But the one that I responded to the most, and I guess it's really short, so I don't know if it can like draw you in if you catch it on cable, but it's just the fight. It's the weirdest thing ever. Like, why are they fighting these guys? Yeah. Because he got picked on in kindergarten and he saw some guy in the street. Like, Will Hunting should be in prison. Like, for life. Yeah. Right. What the hell is he doing? He beat the shit <laughs> out of that guy is that for no reason. The for judge life. is Vonnegut? Right? The judge? Oh, yeah, 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 right. When Vonnegut reads... It's not Vonnegut. It's not Vonnegut? No, it's a guy who is a member of... um, It's an actor who was previously a member of uh, Whitey Bulger's gang. The Winter oh, Hill gang. Oh, okay. I thought... It kind of looks like He Vonnegut. looks like Vonnegut, yeah. Uh, when he reads... The rap sheet, you're definitely like, this guy needs to be incarcerated for life when he's just like, <laughs> assault, grand theft auto, like larceny, assault, mayhem. You're like, this guy's out of control. You can't let him like clean hallways. Like, what the hell? Chris? Yeah. It wasn't his fault. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> I do think that it's just a really, also, you don't think like Gus Van Sant and fight scene? That's yeah. not something that really the, will cross your mind. The Casey Affleck face is the best. The, when, when he, he fosters a punch, he has that yeah. like orgasm on his face. <laughs> That scene's phenomenal. I love Cole Hauser. My single favorite scene is is uh, the Chucky construction scene when uh, when he when he gets mad at him if he's going to be there and he's like, I, mm-hmm. I'm, before I know it, I'm going to be fifty. Yeah, I'm still going to be doing this. It's just like a great scene, and it's you know, there's a Massachusetts thing, and I'm sure a lot of states have this, but specifically in Massachusetts, there's a lot of like, I lived here, my parents lived here. My parents are going to die. I'll then live in their house and then I'll die. And then my kids will live in my house. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of the way it is there. And Chucky's like the perfect character like that. Like his friends are the most important thing to him. Um, he loves living there. Like even like the casual mention of if we're still watching Pat- Patriots games and like that, that just felt so Boston to me. That's why I know William Goldman never could have written that. Cause he never would have had the little nuances of that, but that whole scene. And like, if, if, if you're still here, I'm going to fucking kill you. Like, it's just great. And it's great Affleck. And then when I was doing the research on it, that was like his scene. Yeah. The scene he was like, ready, he was ready to do it for years. And then they did it and he nailed it in the first take. And he was kind of like, didn't know what to do. And they were like, you want to do a couple more takes? And he like did two more, but the first one was the take. But he was like, had this sense of uh, just, 
it's just kind of sadness. It's interesting too, because the way they shoot it is that for the majority of that speech, they shoot it over Affleck's shoulder, which is typically not what you get when you have like such an incredibly memorable scene from an actor. You think of like seeing their face and seeing the camera move in on them. But for a lot of that, it's going in on Damon across the hood of the car. And Damon is, I don't know if he's, I can't remember if he's smoking or not, but he's just kind of like, he does that that kind of like, weird laugh. Get the fuck out of here. He's yeah. like, what? You know, and he's like confused, but it's mostly on Damon. So yeah. even though they wrote it and they knew that that was like Affleck's home run scene, it's, they stuck, they they kind of throw you off a little bit because it's going in on Damon. You think Damon's going to have this big rebuttal and he doesn't. It really does change the course of the movie. Yeah. Every day I come by to pick you up. <laughs> <laughs> Play the rest of that quote for us, Zach Beck. It'd be an insult to us if you're still here in 20 years. Hanging around here is a fucking waste of your time. You don't know that. I don't? No. You don't know that. Oh, I don't know that. Let me tell you what I do know. Every day I come by your house and I pick you up. We go out, we have a few drinks and a few laughs and it's great. You know what the best part of my day is? It's for about 10 seconds from when I pull up to the curb and when I get to your door. Because I think maybe I'll get up there and I'll knock on the door and you won't be there. No goodbye, no see you later, no nothing. Just left. I don't know much, but I know that. It's a great scene. I think one of the coolest things about this movie and one of the reasons I like rewatching is the history we have now with Damon and Affleck where you have 20 years with these guys. And like, these guys are stars in this movie. That Affleck scene, when you saw that in the moment, you're like, that guy's a star. And Damon, the whole movie is like, that guy's a star. It was just like you, it's almost like an NBA team where you have these two future superstars like, Oh, Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid. These guys are stars. This right. is great. We're going to have these guys for 20 years. That's how I kind of felt during this movie. There's also something interesting, too, about like their relationship in real life and in the movie that I always draw on, which is like the movie started with Damon. It was something he started writing when he was at Harvard, somewhat based on his relationship with a woman named Skylar. Yeah. And then he leaves school and he brings it to Ben. And then they start writing the real movie version of it together. And, you know, the part was always meant to be for Damon. And Ben was always going to be Chucky. And you can almost feel this weird tension of like, which one of us is going to make it between them. And obviously they both ended up becoming hugely successful. But there's this like interesting little tension of like what happens when one of us wins and the other one doesn't that they sort of forecast like when they were in their early 20s. That's kind of an amazing thing. I find that also just it's worth remembering where they were in their careers back then because – they weren't completely out of nowhere. Like Damon had been in school ties. That's where they met Cole Hauser. And I think Damon had been in Geronimo and Geronimo was supposed to sort of be his on-ramp to being a leading man, if I remember correctly. And then it didn't really work out for him. And he was kind of doing these supporting roles. You know what happened? Chris O'Donnell kept getting parts over him. Are you serious? Yeah. It was like they were basically battling for the same parts for so five he, years. So did he go for the- He went for the lead in School Ties, Chris O'Donnell got it, and he went for the lead in Senate of a Woman, and Chris O'Donnell got it. I had no idea. So I think now he's like swinging his dick at Chris O'Donnell, right? Really? So yeah. He's, he's he's CSI, just, motherfucker. I'm going to make another board movie. But Damon, you know, Damon had done those movies, and then you can actually see, because 97 happens, where he gets Rainmaker around that time, where it's like, yep. he's in Rainmaker and he's in Goodwill Hunting as this leading man, but he's also in Courage Under Fire- and Saving Private Ryan. Well, he as, lost all the weight for Courage Under Fire, Yeah, remember? as a supporting yeah. actor. But it was Courage Under Fire that people, I think, were like, oh, man, this guy's like a really He's good actor. He's incredible in that yeah. movie. And then Affleck had Chasing Amy before this movie came out. Yeah, and, but he had been in Dazed. He had been in Mallrats. He's kind of a jerk in these, like, these other movies. It's well, just, Dazed, what was his character in Dazed? He's the dude with the cricket No, but I'm paddle. trying to remember the name of it. What's the his paddle. name? 
Yeah, oh. yeah. I can't remember the name of it, but, but yeah, he was kind of pigeonholed oh, as the meathead. Oh, Banyan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the meathead guy. He says there's one of the articles he was talking about after that SNL did a sketch making fun of them. And they presented Affleck as like the meathead and Damon as the smart guy. And both of them were kind of like, oh, fuck, is this how people are going to think of us now? Like, I'm just going to be Chucky. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it might have explained like his next three years of movie choices because he just does everything. He's doing, remember, he started just grabbing paychecks left and right. Damon really looked at his career, I think, a lot more carefully those first five years. Damon, Affleck was just grabbing A-list, you know, he's, he literally did a movie called Paycheck. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. by the way, is a pretty, pretty fucking movie. It's yeah, pretty good. But Damon did. Damon you don't like paycheck? No, it's the lesser. That's way lesser. John Woo, not really in on that. God damn it! It's Sean. a great bad movie. It's not a good movie. No, it's a great bad movie. It's a great bad movie. But Damon did in three years. He did Rounders, Goodwill Hunting, and Talented Mr. Ripley, yeah. which were all like just put him. He did the movie star thing that was just like I only work with great directors, right? And Affleck's like, like I work with big that. paychecks. Yeah, he and then like, eventually hey. figured out I have to be taken more seriously. He's like, I do phantoms. Yeah, you know. <laughs> who, Shay, who would you have bet on in 1998 for Wait. a bigger career, Damon or Affleck? Affleck. I think I would have too. Affleck. Yeah. Affleck was I mean, in Armageddon and Shakespeare in Love. I mean, he was the biggest right. movie yeah. star in the world, and yeah. it might not have been the wrong bet. Now, the thing that's interesting is they both do a thing in their careers over the last 20 years where they reset. They do a certain kind of a movie for three or four years, and then they say, like, I got to get a big one. The way they choose it is different. Damon goes, I got to do The Martian, and The Martian's going to be big. Or sometimes he does The Great Wall, which is not always a great choice, but Affleck is not afraid to be like, I'm Batman. You know, like, that's a that takes a certain kind of chutzpah that you don't really see with Damon. He doesn't really take on that kind of a performance. When he does it, it's Jason Bourne and he has to put himself onto it. He doesn't take on the burden as much. So it's interesting. Like you can see them starting to make similar decisions really early in their career. Yeah. The, uh, we should mention the ending as a rewatchable. I would say the last like eight minutes of this movie are as good as the last eight minutes of any movie from a rewatchable standpoint. Just if you're coming in late. Where does mm-hmm. it start? And it, I would say it's when he comes to see him the last time when he says goodbye to him. Damon says goodbye to Robin Williams through him and Lambo getting a beer. And then it goes to uh, Chucky going to pick him up and he's not there, which is just an awesome scene. And then at the ending, it's a really great nine minutes with some good Elliot Smith too. I love how the credits roll with the, with the car the whole time. Yeah, it's a I great never car shot. Before. What highway do we think that was? Oh, going out, going West. Yeah. I've always tried to figure that out. I'm not sure. It feels like the Mass Pike, but I don't think there's a part of the Mass Pike like that. So I don't know where they did that, but that was pretty cool. Uh, it's probably like a, outside of Toronto. Casting <laughs> what ifs. We mentioned a lot of them, how Castle Rock wanted to replace them with Matt and Ben, with uh, Leo and Brad. Mel Gibson producing and directing would have been fucking weird. I don't know what happens with that. Was he ever up for Sean? Like, was he ever considered? Were there other people considered for Sean? I look for that. I thought for sure there were 40 Sean's, but I don't think they ever really tried to cast it until the tail end. And I'm kind of like how it ended up, right? Who else could have been Sean? Even well, that, was- I think that in there's an argument to be made that Williams is more replaceable than Damon and Affleck in this movie. Oh, he's a hundred. I agree, yeah. but yeah. I just don't know who I would have replaced him with. No, but this movie is just like is so it Judd good. Hirsch. It's completely different if that's <laughs> Jeff Bridges or if that's even Dustin Hoffman. You know what I mean? Oh, I mean Jeff Bridges would have been. I good. just mean like no matter who you go with, mm. the you can't get Robin Williams's bit when he's doing Community College. And he's talking about like Freud doing cocaine and he's like, oh, good. I have your attention. Yeah. I mean, that that, that must have been freestyled because yeah. that's from his stand up yeah. in, yeah. in the 70s. Yeah. 
I think he freestyled a lot of that stuff. He must have. I don't know who else would have done it. I have a lot of issues with his Boston accent, which we'll get to in a second. Uh, After Gibson dropped out, Chris Ryan, you better sit down for this one. I am. Thankfully, I am. Do you know who wanted to direct? Michael Mann. Michael Mann. Yes. (laughs) He wanted to make them- Slightly different. With the CIA story? Because that would have made sense. He wanted to make them car thieves. (laughs) Shea Serrano is in. Shea Serrano is in. A, a math genius car thief? Goodwill. Math fucking. genius car thieves. Yeah. Can we still make perfect. this movie? Hey, Michael Mann, if you're listening, plow ahead. <laughs> Buy the rights. Remake it. Could Michael Mann be any more Michael Mann than Will Hunting as a car thief? Yeah. It's he also wanted to replace Matt Damon, which is the reason he didn't I see. keep going. With like James Conn. <laughs> <laughs> James- <laughs> He's not too old. <laughs> what are the Hemsworths? Uh, what's age the best? This is a fun one. I you feel free to add categories here, or nominees. Here's what I came up with: the friendship. This is really a friendship movie. Mm-hmm. This is about buddies and the bonds of friends. Uh, Damon's great in this movie, and it's really hard for me to believe he didn't win the Oscar over Jack Nicholson's "As Good as It Gets." Yeah, actually, the, yeah. I just looked at the nominees. He he. He has a really good shout in ter- among the nominees. It's like Duval for the Apostle. Yeah, that wasn't winning. In- Nicholson, him. Oh, I can't remember the other one, but it was Nicholson. That movie really had a moment when it came out, and I remember being totally fine with it. Won best pi- it won best picture, I think. Right? I think so. Yeah, it won no, best t- Titanic. No, won Titanic best won best picture, yeah. but he won best actor, best actress because Helen Hunt won too. Yeah. Everybody was fine <clears throat> with this at the time. Now it, it doesn't feel as good. It was, Jim- oh, it was when right. Jim Brooks was still one of the. 10 most important writer-directors in Hollywood. So best actor that year was Duvall, Peter Fonda, Dustin Hoffman, and Wag the Dog, Damon, and Nicholson. And that's that's a two-person category. In the, yeah. in the murderer's row. Elliot Smith's music, I think, really, it's it, those two songs that they pick. One of them one is still not available on iTunes for some reason, or Apple. But uh, There's a few songs in it. Between the Bars is in it. There might be three, yeah. 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 And the fact that his life, obviously... When it would tailspin shortly after. A very um, famous Academy Awards performance, though, where he's in the white suit yeah. singing that song, and he just seems so out of place and so like delicate and just not really like what you think of when you imagine an Oscars musical performance. Also, the anecdote about whenever anybody would go up to him afterwards and make fun of or, or trash talk Celine Dion, and he would just be like, you shut your mouth. Like, yeah. That woman right. was a queen to me. Like, un- like, totally chilled me out before I went out there. The, uh, <clears throat> the Casey Affleck's... He was wearing an I Hate LA shirt at one point. That's just yeah. unbelievable. That's a baseball scene. I had it as a kid, and now my son has it, and he's like a year away from being able to fully grow into it. So I'm very excited about that. The Boston accents, I think, are spectacular, except for Robin Williams. Everybody else nails it. Cole Hauser's, it's a little iffy in a couple spots, but seems like he's from Boston and looks like he's from Boston and carries the whole fuck you attitude of that character. So I was okay with it. Uh, how about them apples? That whole scene is in, aged incredibly with the great ending and to bring it back. And you always kind of forget he's going to see them again. And then it comes back. The ending we talked about. And then uh, and then finally, Robin Williams' clothes and Ben Affleck's clothes are just perfect. Tracks Robin Williams is just wearing cardigans and things that don't match and just seems like a guy whose life totally hasn't turned out the way it has, but still has some authority. He and looks then, like a widower. He looks yeah. like a guy who's like, I shop at Goodwill. Just doesn't care anymore. Yeah. And then uh, Affleck, just the, the clothes that seem a little more expensive than they were, but they weren't. 
and just trying to be like, I should wear these. It'll make me look classier, but they don't. It's just perfect. Uh, what did I miss? What else aged the best? Oh, I completely think it's the friendship stuff. And I think it's the interpersonal relationships between Damon and Affleck and Damon and Williams. Like that stuff you could put in a movie from 1940 or 2018. It just would, it would still play. Shay? Yeah, that seems like the, the easiest answer to go with here. The friendships. Mainly because of all of the stuff that happened afterward, too. They're just always connected forever. There's, you could maybe talk me into going with the, how about them apple scene? Do you like apples? Yeah. Well, I got a number. How do you like them apples? Which is still great. And it's the thing people still say today, and you laugh every time somebody says right. it. Apparently, they stole it from Chinatown. Jack Nicholson says that line in the movie, and hmm. that's what made them want to do it. So maybe Robert Town wrote Good Will Hunting. And then <laughs> <laughs> I Swallowed a Bug, which Casey Affleck had libbed. I was just going to say They that. stole that from uh, Apocalypse Now. Yeah. I was just going to say the dialogue is the thing that has aged the best for me because as I was rewatching it, I was like, it's every line is on the tip of my tongue. And most movies just can't do that. They can't. They don't burn into your brain that way. So I, I probably could have done 60 lines of dialogue while watching it last night. That's just that's really unique. And it's, it's also a testament to them be fighting hard to be like, we want to do it our way, yeah. our script, sticking to, to their guns no matter what. It, it really like burnishes that legend. There's also like a degree to which you could kind of understand why people would be like, oh, did William Goldman do a rewrite on this or did anybody else have their hands on it? Because it's something, it's a movie that so obviously is the sum of their love of movies. Yeah. You know, like the fight in the playground is just like, it's so, we've watched Mean Streets a thousand times. Right. You know, and, and so many of the scenes where you're just like, Oh yeah, you guys love this kind of movie. You know, whether it's ordinary people or whether, you know, some early Scorsese movie. Yeah. I think the it's really cool that Damon and Affleck stayed friends and it kind of adds to the movie, as weird as that sounds, that those guys are still buddies even now, and this was kind of their proxy movie. Um, what's age the worst? Robin Williams's Boston accent isn't great. So it's I don't not ha- great. I don't have an ear for this at all. Yeah, it's like, not do great. Do you know? It's not great. No, I couldn't tell. I thought I thought they were all fine. Yeah, it's not great. It, g- it gets in a little New York, New York. Do you have a Boston accent right now? Or are you speaking? No, I got rid of it. <laughs> it's gone. But you have yeah, it's one. gone. I, it comes out if I'm <clears> drunk <throat> sometimes. Who has the best on-screen Boston accent? Matt Damon. Matt Damon's Will hunting, hunting accent is the gold standard for best Boston accent of all time. That's exactly what it sounds like. It's exactly. It's, it's perfect. In the history of movies, Matt Damon? I, I that, that would be my go-to example, wow. yeah. I think it's the best one. Is that considered high praise? It should be. <laughs> but I mean, he's fucking from Boston. He should have had it. More than Wahlberg in The Departed. Yes. Because the key with the Boston accent, which I've discussed before, is it's the attitude is half of it. And just, it, there's got to be this, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, there's almost like you're ready to fight at all times. And Damon figured that out more than anyone. Uh, Matt Damon's hair has not aged well in this movie. That's and he's talked about it. Yeah. You're going to pick that one? That's what I was going to He's do. He's talked about really regretting the frosted tips move. And <laughs> that's like he would probably spend money to CGI it if he could get rid of it. I did have that exact same haircut. I don't. I did not I have could, frosted I tips. But I feel I, like it belongs to the mid-90s. I'm fine with it. Yeah, it did. It, it, but, you know, stay there. Um, the Miramax I, logo in the opening credits we talked about. Will's breakup with Skyler, which we discussed earlier. I don't love you. That scene. I'm not saying it's aged badly. It's just a really rough three minutes. It's really hard to watch. That's that it's scene is just it's hard it's to physical, watch. Yeah. yeah, it's physical. It's just uh, I don't love that scene. 
Goodwill Hunting beat Boogie Nights for best screenplay. I'm not sure that's age well. I don't feel great about that one. The, I, I think they're both Oscar winners, basically. But like, I think yeah. that Boogie Nights screenplay is like an all timer. Something has to win, you know. They both have a hundred memorable lines of dialogue. They both have great characterization. They both have give the Oscar to one of them. With. Well, I I prefer Boogie Nights as a movie, but it's pretty close. I mean, re- rewatching yeah, this movie, I was like, great. holy shit, this movie holds. I have up. a. Can I ask Sean a, another? You have to choose yeah, Oscar question, please. Robin Williams or Robert Forster and Jackie Brown? Oh, the Robert Forster performance is fucking amazing. Yeah. Jackie Brown is really great. Um, and this isn't even the number one movie I would have given Robin Williams an Oscar for. I thought he should have went for Dead Poets. Dead Poets, Fisher King, Good Morning Garp, Vietnam. Good Morning Vietnam, all Insomniac. those movies. Insomniac. Who was in, who was <laughs> 19? Not bad. The it's Dead Poets good. Oscars. Can you look that yeah. up? One hour photo is good. I don't care what anybody says. Shea Boogie Night screenplay or Goodwill Hunting screenplay? Goodwill Hunting. Okay. I figured you'd do that. I figured you'd ride. Here's what's aged the worst. I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's just, it's long. And I know from a rewatchable standpoint, when Skylar meets Will's buddies and the two long jokes, because if you've watched the movie 50 times, you know the jokes and that's just like, all right. So do you want to hear about it? Yeah, let's hear it. He, well, I, don't well, think, I don't think he wins. He's going to win. He would have won in either case if he had been actor or supporting actor. So it turns out that he was nominated for actor up against. That's a mistake. Kenneth Branagh in Henry, Henry V, Morgan Freeman in Driving Miss Daisy, Tom Cruise in Born on the Fourth of July. Ugh. And the winner was Daniel Day-Lewis for My Left Foot. Oh, see, they should have put and him best supporting, supporting actor would have been Martin Landau in Crimes and Misdemeanors. He was great. Marlon Brando in A Dry White Season. No. Dan Aykroyd in Driving Miss Daisy. God, no. Danny Aiello in Do the Right Thing. He's incredible in that. Yeah, he's pretty good. And fucking Denzel in Glory. Oh. That was no one was beating him. Yeah. yeah. So Ram Williams was winning an Oscar there. No. Yeah. All right. All right. What were you going to defend, Scott? Uh, Shay? That scene. It's a great Skylar scene. There's not enough of right. her in it, I feel like. But also, the great part of the scene isn't the joke. It's watching everybody else. The awkwardness. Realize this is the woman that he's going to marry. This was, we're seeing in real time, I have to see about a girl scene play out yeah. with the friends. And that's incredible to It's think a about. necessary scene. I agree. I just, it's the one part of the movie where it gets a little slow. It's like it's about 205, that movie. Casey Affleck is so funny in that part when he just keeps needling Ben and they're just back and forth, back and forth. It's great. I I really love that scene. I don't See? think it's a badly okay. at all. Finally, we agree. I don't Good mind arguments. knowing the punchline, and I love scenes of people talking to each other in bars or in diners. Like I just think if you can do that well, you got something unique on your hands. Okay, mm-hmm. they're good stories. Mm-hmm. Um, also, that's when Affleck says, "Bombed out of his tree," which I've now been saying. <laughs> For 20 years. Do, do y'all remember the they there were alternate jokes that they had? And I remember watching them on YouTube, and I can't recall what the jokes were at the time. But all, every single one of them was funny. They Damon just, told that long Saving Private Ryan thing, which I thought was the absolute worst part of that movie. The story about the brothers with the girl in the, in the barn. Oh, his monologue? <laughs> but it's supposed to be bad. Right. It's in in that movie. Because right. it's supposed to be like, oh, this guy's Not a dipshit. And they all, they all like sacrifice their lives for this corn dog. The Dion Waiters Award. Yes. <laughs> Best heat check performance by a role player. Our nominees, Casey Affleck, Mini Driver, Cole Hauser. I'm not, Robin Williams, I'm not making him eligible for this. Mm-hmm. Professor Lambeau. And Professor Lambeau's 
assistant? His assistant. His, at his their, TA. Who was in love with Professor Lambeau, it seemed like, kind of. Yes, he was. Tom? And, and became immediately threatened by Will Hunting. Mm-hmm. He was like, oh, the new guy's in now. Uh, I just think Casey Affleck, this is a, a great heat check performance by him. What do you guys think? Uh, uh, honorable mention for George Plimpton. Yes. As oh, the, as okay. As the uh, psychiatrist who Will psychs out by calling him gay. I, I think this is high level Stellan Skarsgård. He's doing a lot wow. of crazy shit. And the thing I didn't realize when I watched the movie again is he's a, a huge creep. Yeah. Very creepy. He's, a, yeah. he's super creepy. He's and like, you want to get a drink with me? Yeah. yeah. And I, I didn't realize that that was how they were positioning him as like that classic professor who's always hitting on his students. But Did he does you it see twice. He calls Skylar too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Skylar's like, oh, is this Professor Lambeau? Like yeah. they, they do paint him as kind of. Yeah. And I think he's, Stone Skarsgård's, he's like really good and he sells that like tortured genius who also realizes there's someone who's more genius than he is. Um, but isn't, isn't there a casting what if with Skarsgård? Wasn't there another person who was supposed to be in his role? I looked. I, I didn't see any. Uh, if there was, I didn't see it. He's really good. I can't imagine the movie without him. I love Casey too. Casey, all, Casey has nine of the movie's 20 best lines, but. Skarsgård, man. What do you got, Shay? Uh, it's definitely between those two, but I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with Cole Hauser because I fucking I'm, love Cole Hauser. We didn't get enough of him. It's good car. <laughs> it's a good the, engine. The best part of the best Cole Hauser part of the movie is when they're in the back of the car and he's messing with Casey, and Casey's like, "I'm gonna fight you now," and you see the smile just drops off of Cole's face, and he's ready to go, and he's like, "Oh, what are you gonna do?" Like that shot forward what his career was going to be like for the rest of time. He should have only ever played that character. The- he should have been an action guy and it never happened. Yeah. He easily could have gone right from Goodwill Hunting to some movie where somebody kidnapped his daughter and he has an hour he to He should have been in Paparazzi. Did you guys see that? Yeah. 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 It's weird. Any movie cool. where he gets to be a little yeah. unhinged, yeah. he's good. He was good in Too Fast, Too Furious as a bad guy. I wish we got more bad guy. Yeah, cool. yeah gone- weird dyed hair. I didn't like the dyed hair. Yeah. So he has a couple of faces that he makes that is like a classic, like deep, deep rooted mm-hmm. Boston. Like he's probably like just the darkest, scariest guy in that crew. Like they don't, 100%. he doesn't get a lot of he's like killed somebody. Yeah. He, he has absolutely killed somebody before. <laughs> Cause he doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. There's no, we're going to like, even Matt Damon warns Clark. Do you want to go outside and, and fight about this? Even Ben Affleck is telling Casey, get out of the car. You have to fight. Cole never says yeah. anything. He's Cole's just, just like, I'm going to put action. these guys at a trench in Quincy. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Did Philly have bars that were dangerous bars to go to, but were fun to go to anyway? Yeah, there were like notorious Philly, Philly bars. I mean, there's South Philly bars and North Philly bars that are like kind of, they're like that. And then there are bars within Center City that had reputations or like, oh, I hear like crazy fights happen there. Yeah, for sure. Because Boston had probably the highest number per acre, I would guess. We had when I was living the in point you made about the people going to different neighborhoods and stuff like that. That doesn't happen in a lot of places anymore. I think that's like that's like a pretty in in those big cities because so many of the urban areas of big cities have become so gentrified. You don't see a lot of like guys from Queens who show up in midtown. You know what I mean? Like you don't hear about that as much. Yeah, and in Philly, it might have been a nineties. Philly thing. and Boston were like that though a little bit more, where it was like guys were like, let's go into the city and just like see what happens. You size people up a lot in Boston's to make sure in Boston to make sure there were a lot of bars like that, and then there are certain bars you just couldn't go to. Like I, I lived in Charlestown. I went to New Sully's, which was one of my favorite bars and still is. But Old Sully's, the original Sully's, was on my street that I lived on two block, two minutes away and never went there because that was like townies only. And if I went in there, I would have gotten the shit kicked out of me. And it was just that. that so when I see Cole Hauser, 
that's like the bot that the f- couple face. There's one other thing when he's sitting at the table and Casey Affleck pisses him off and he just stares at him. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, that's he's so good. At that's like that. deep Boston. Um, I have Casey for this. Yeah. I just I think mean, that's a nothing part and he made it fun and really interesting. And, and it's like, Affleck's you can't even brother, describe do that they part. Give him anywhere close to the amount of shots. You right. know what I mean? And like Shay- if, if Dion waiters had like, a, a brother named Rion Waiters <laughs> and was like, you know, Dion was like, we got to make sure Rion gets enough field goal attempts here. That's basically what happens. Cause Affleck is the Dion Waiters. Affleck is so out there. Yeah. The thing that I was going to give the honorable mention heat check award to, which is usually we give it to an actor who's really making the most of their opportunities. But to name a guy, Carmine Scarpaglia is such a heat check screenwriter move where they're like, what would be a good Italian name to show that there are Irish guys and Italian guys? Carmine Scarpaglia. It's like, uh, it's like, like Italian movie name bingo. There's a great director's commentary they did for this couple years after the DVD came out. Before, you and I have talked about this, Sean, where it was kind of before people knew when they did director commentaries that they would live forever. And Affleck's in it, and he's just completely over the top and talking about everybody's genius. And it's if you love this movie, I'd recommend it. But Affleck is the king of late '90s directors' comments. He's the best. Oh, I yes. actually think this is better than his Pearl Harbor one. He, the Pearl Harbor one's phenomenal. All the Kevin Smith movies, Armageddon, where he's like making fun of himself and making fun of the movie, but also like I'm the greatest actor of all time. Right. Also doing imitations of other actors. He's doing like Sean Connery yeah. on the Chasing Amy commentary, like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. It's fucking amazing. But the Armageddon one, if you if you get a chance, it's on YouTube, I think. It's uh-huh. just like or him he's making fun of roasting like the concept <laughs> of like he's just like, I don't know why they they thought it would be faster. Yeah. to train oil drillers to be astronauts <laughs> instead of astronauts to be oil drillers. But I love the paycheck for this movie, so I did it. <laughs> the Casey, I specifically remember they talking about the baseball glove scene, and he's describing <laughs> that Casey Affleck completely ad-libbed that whole thing. Yeah. And he's like, he says something like, that's just the genius of Casey. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and you're watching it going, get the fuck out of here, Ben Affleck. And meanwhile, Casey Affleck has an Oscar now. Yeah. And if you watch that scene that you guys love with the jokes- there's five people at the table. Two people won Oscars at that table for acting, and neither of them were at Damon and Affleck. It was Casey Affleck and Minnie Driver. Or were you two Oscar? Cole didn't that. get one for Too Fast, Too Furious? Yeah. Cole should have gotten I one at he some did. point. He's good in school. He has that. some good school ties moments, too. He's very scary. He's, and, uh, he's the most likable anti Semite in school ties, I think, out of yeah. all the. He kind of ran that back in higher learning, too, right? Yeah. 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 Well, it's a little danger, more yeah. dangerous than higher learning. Yeah. Yeah, he's had an interesting career. Uh, We're going to take a break. Chris and I are going to talk about some of our favorite National Lampoon moments. And then we're going to come back. I have some good stuff left. Here we go. Bill, we're going to take a quick break from this episode of The Rewatchables for a sponsored segment brought to you by A Feudal and Stupid Gesture, a new movie coming on Netflix starring Will Forte, Joe McHale, Emmy Rossum, Tom Lennon, Matt Walsh. And the film highlights the rise of National Lampoon and its comedic mastermind, Doug Kenny. And we usually don't Ooh. talk about movies from sort of before nineteen ninety. We broke our rule once for 48 hours. Yeah. Maybe, maybe down the line we'll do more 80s movies. But if we were going to do more 80s movies or earlier movies. We still might. Don't we, rule it out. We could do a lot worse than to talk about some of these National Lampoon movies. Uh, you could pick any one of them. Caddyshack, Animal House, National Lampoon's Vacation. National Lampoon was responsible for some of the biggest comedy classics of the last 40 years. What's your favorite National Lampoon movie? Caddyshack. Yeah. But Cat- I think... Going to college in the 80s, which was the video cassette era, 
And we didn't have as many movies back then, and we didn't have all the channels with all the movies. So the video cassettes were really important. Yeah. And you'd find one movie that you loved that had yeah, the bits. In college, Animal House was a huge movie. It's it's been out for 40 years now, but uh in the in 10 years like that that was probably the most influential college movie ever made everybody had toga parties yeah toga parties lasted for at least 10 to 15 years after it put belushi to a different stratosphere he had blues brothers he had animal house and he had center at live he was and the album i think he had the number one movie tv show and album at one point holy crap it's like the triple crown he, he yeah. literally had the triple crown uh, Caddyshack to me is just like the perfect comedy. Yeah, that was a, so, sort of like a cult classic because it started out, and I don't think it necessarily blew up at the box office immediately, right? If I, it, it mattered when it came out because Chevy Chase and Bill Murray were huge stars, but I think it, it the rewatchability of it, I think all the golf jokes. Yeah. Well, the making of Animal House and Caddyshack, they, it plays a big role in a, a feudal and stupid gesture. It's this movie directed by David Wayne. That takes this really cool, unconventional look at the sort of rise of National Lampoon where, you know, it's it's almost like Goodfellas-y where there's a lot of like unreliable narration. Martin Mull is sort of narrating it. And in case you're not familiar with National Lampoon, here's a bit of background. National Lampoon was the answer to a tumultuous and violent time in American history. Nixon was in office. A whole generation of young people were despondent. And National Lampoon used comedy as a way to tackle problems in society by exposing ugly realities of the time. And it was difficult to talk about those problems, but National Lampoon used humor as a way to expose young people to these realities. And you think about what SNL became, you think about a lot of the the satire that we sort of associate with that time period in the mid 80s and early 90s, that actually grows out of National Lampoon. The magazine was so successful, it spilled over into radio and television, spawning the careers of well-known writers, comedians, and actors such as Chevy Chase, Bill Murray, uh, all of whom appeared in Caddyshack. The movie. Well, I was going to say that yeah. Saturday Night Live found a bunch of their original their cast AAC. from yeah. the National Lampoon, that traveling little tour they used to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And the movie came out. Caddyshack came out at the height of Doug Kenny's career. Doug Kenny was sort of the mastermind behind National Lampoon, and he had just made Animal House, which was the most successful comedy of all time. Caddyshack was a flop initially. Uh, with the chief criticisms coming from its lack of consistency across the movie. But now it's considered a classic. Uh, Kenny was a pretty interesting, dark character. He had a lot of demons. An enigma. Yeah, and they go into that. And he was extremely touchy about allowing anyone to have a say in the movie. So he was, it was a lot of creative control issues about Caddyshack. Uh, Harold Ramis was the director of Caddyshack. It was his first time, and he couldn't control his actors, some of whom had never acted before. Uh, Kenny spent a lot of the time dealing with anxiety about the movie flopping because he wanted his father to respect him. That gets dealt with in, in a futile and stupid gesture as well. Um, do you? Re- When's the last time you saw Caddyshack? Um, <laughs> every year. Yeah, every, every, yeah, it's like it's like it is. A, it is a great. That one, I'm also. I ride for a vacation too. I think the original one was just a great era for a comedy, and it was to me, it's one of the go to ones from that era. But. The, Doug Kenny was always this little bit of a mythical figure because I'm a huge comedy nerd. Yeah. I knew all, I read every book there ever was about that. And it was hard to understand like what kind of loss that was because he was a behind the scenes guy, but all those guys revered him. Yeah. And, the- and he died pretty young. And there was, this was this era of from 76 through 86 where drugs and a lot of insanity took away a lot of people that were really important or either ruined their careers, killed them, whatever. And he's definitely on that list. And even totally, right? Like the way that 
National Lampoon was so racy. And yeah. like the way that those movies like really pushed the boundaries of like profanity and sex and all that stuff in the movies. It was like, a, it was kind of like an exciting, weird time to be doing comedies. That's, we talked about that with 48 Hours too. It's just like, you're like, wow, do these guys know what they're doing? This is pretty out there. Right. I, um, I always felt like National Lampoon, SNL, and the Groundlings were responsible for just about everything good that came out of the 70s comedy wise. So, Every big movie and most of the TV series can be tied to one of those three things yeah. or more than one of those three yeah, things. Yeah, it really is like a foundational thing. If you're interested in more about Doug Kenny and the influence of National Lampoon and what it meant to comedy, be sure to check out A Feudal and Stupid Gesture starring the all-star cast of Will Forte, Joel McHale, Emmy Rossum, Thomas Lennon, and Matt Walsh. It drops on Netflix on January 26th. I like 26th. all of those people. They're I'm great. excited. It's a great movie. And now back to the rewatchables. All right, welcome back. It's time for Half-Assed Internet Research Corner, Chris Ryan's favorite favorite category. The Boston Public Garden Park bench that we mentioned earlier, that 3,000 people watched him do that scene. Now memorial to Robin Williams. Really? Yeah. As it should be. When he died, a lot of people went there and put flowers and stuff on the bench, and they just decided to turn that into a little memorial for him. Um, for 10 years... For 10 years of my life, how close did I live to Bunker Hill Community College where Sean fake taught because he wasn't a real person? How close? Six minute walk. Yeah. For a while, the screenplay had a gay sex scene in it to see if anybody was actually reading it. Because there was a year when Castle Rock wouldn't buy it when they started shopping around. They were convinced that nobody was actually reading the script and that it had just become poison and that... They were just screwed. So they actually wrote a scene where Will Hunting and Sean just have passionate sex in his office and nobody noticed it. Shay does that in all of his articles. <laughs> we we <laughs> gotta cut that every out of every piece. <laughs> uh, but you know who noticed it? Harvey Weinstein. When he decided he wanted to make the movie, he's like, and get rid of the, the blowjob scene with the whatever. Uh, Robin Williams was the one who insisted on the L Street bar. Cause they were scouting locations and they went there and they got mobbed and he loved the energy. He never actually filmed the scene in there. It was the one with the boys, but that was, uh, that was his suggestion. He also ad libbed the scene about his wife farting. That's why Matt Damon was laughing so hard. That makes sense. It came out it's of nowhere really and he didn't know what, <laughs> Matt really Damon didn't know laugh. what the fuck was going on. Uh, son of a bitch. He stole my line was ad libbed. Really? It was just supposed to be him reading the note and nodding, and he said that and walked like three in and of the kept it. Top five lines of this. One movie. of the great ad libs. Yeah. Yeah. Robin Williams was a genius. He Robin made Williams a lot of bad movies, so his his reputation is complicated. But he was a genius. Robin Williams's character, based on Damon's mom and Affleck's dad, mix of the two. Gus Van Sant painted the painting in Sean's office that Goodwill Hunting oh, yeah. stares into. That <laughs> wow. Will Hunting stares into. That's a great scene. It's a Gus Van Sant. Uh, got Whitey Rowan. Kind of the thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whitey Rowan. You mentioned how uh, Skylar was based on Damon's ex-girlfriend from Harvard. Damon and Minnie Driver dated um, about halfway through the movie, all the way through the movie, and through the Oscars, and then had a bad breakup about two months after. I think he dumped her. Can we just talk about you Mini think? Driver's performance real quick? I don't want to talk about Mini Driver and Matt Let's Damon adjudicating each other on Twitter. That's not good. Um, did that happen? It did. Yeah. They, they were fighting. I it's that fine. One. That's not what this podcast is about. When I was rewatching the movie with my wife, she was like, Mini Driver's bad. She's the reason this movie has not aged as well. 
I don't get it. I don't believe their relationship. And I, I, it, Mini Driver, I think rightfully, like, didn't become the huge star that people thought she was going to be. And I don't agree. And I think she's really good. And I heard you say that at the beginning. Correct. Too. So is Mini Driver, like, a controversial part of this movie for you guys at all? Can I just interject here? Uh-oh. My wife came in. I watched it this morning because I wanted to make sure I didn't miss anything. And my wife came in for the middle part of it. And she's like, these two have no chemistry. And I was like, they dated for a year in real life. And she's like, it doesn't matter. They have no chemistry. They disagree, right? I feel like they're in love when they're at that table. I feel that way too. So do women look at this and think that they have no chemistry, but men do? That's also so like we have a very small sample size. I know. <laughs> when they're in the like the the knickknack store and she puts on the googly glasses, like uh-huh. the glasses, it, it's just like that's just like him being like you're adorable, like you have to do, like just do your thing and like mm-hmm. pick stuff up and we'll film you. And Shay's upset. Yeah, that's crazy talk. Yeah, I don't believe that. She's great. She's. So I also, you know what else I like about it? She hasn't been in that many movies, so it's like she's kind of this person. If if it had been like Gwyneth Paltrow, we'd have this whole twenty year history with Gwyneth Paltrow, right? That I, I feel, they'll feel like would have affected it. I don't know how you can watch the scene when they're laying together playing with the Magic 8 ball and she's making jokes about being in the NBA. And dude, like, I don't know how you watch that scene and go, no, this is not good. Well, Sean's wife and my wife are just dead wrong. <laughs> I was like, watch the organic chemistry scene, you know, where they're yeah. talking about how easy it is for him. And he has that great speech about playing the piano. Mm-hmm. They're so in love. It just, if not, they're amazing performers. I think she's really good. And by the way, she won the Oscar for this. So in the moment, I think people felt that way. I have a new category for you, Chris. Wait, can I throw one more half-ass internet research bit Please. in? Please. The, the original version of this movie, or the script, was Damon and Driver, or Skylar and, and Will, leave town together. They, oh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they wound up, Ben and Matt, because of a friend of the Affleck family, knew Terrence Malick. And so they met with Terrence Malick, and Terrence Malick had read the script and was like, you guys should have him chase her out. Like she's gone and he's going to leave and he's got to go find her. That should be the end. And they were like, of course. So Terrence Malick is like the, the reason for the end of the a movie. A lot of lucky moments with this movie in a good way where Pete, these little notes or ad libs that pushed it like five other levels. Why did people want to help Ben and Matt? <laughs> like, I don't understand <laughs> this. Guys. You hear these stories about people struggling to make it in Hollywood for 25 years and Rob Reiner, William Goldman, and Terrence Malick are like, I got some notes on your script. Yeah. I'd like to talk to you about this movie. You're not famous. Also, what? this is How like the only happen? movie that Harvey Weinstein wasn't like, I get to chop, chop this up however right. I see fit. I think they had had some success already. They weren't like, uh, this wasn't like John Favreau and Vince Vaughn where it's like, who the fuck are you guys? You've done nothing. Although Vince Vaughn, I guess, was in Rudy, which matters. Right? <laughs> yeah. Jamie O'Hare. He the tall Rudy, receiver. John, yeah. The John tall Favreau. receiver. No, quarterback. Oh, quarterback. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Jamie O'Hara. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. I think maybe they felt like these guys were headed somewhere and they wanted to get in early and then be the person they thanked would be my only guess. It's just so unusual. You just don't. Why? Why is new category for Chris? Suggested by a reader. I haven't even told him about it. He's going to be super excited. (laughs) Would this be better if Michael Mann had made it? (laughs) Well, the the last category, which I I might as well just do now is would this movie have been better with Danny Trejo? <laughs> the answer al- almost always is yes. I don't know where he fits in in this movie. I, I just, my default answer is yes, but I don't know if this movie's what better Danny with Danny Trejo. Trejo. played Cole Hauser? Cole Hauser's role. Young Cole Hauser? <laughs> I don't, th- I'd rather have Cole Hauser. Could he have been a bouncer at the Cambridge bar, even for a split second? He, he was Carmine's adopted brother. <laughs> 
And he came back for a vengeance. That's <laughs> or, what he was. or he's in Carmine's group in the fight. Yeah, but then I don't want to see Danny Trejo get his ass kicked. I don't know where he fits he, in. He wouldn't. He came back. I, I feel like I read a thing. Maybe he's a judge? That they had a version of the script where they died, where- Danny Trejo kills them? Carmine came back with his friends and they like- So that's where Danny Trejo yeah. comes in. I, I think Danny Trejo, could, could he have been the judge? Could he have snuck him in as a judge? <laughs> no. I don't think no. he makes sense in this movie. <laughs> this is the first time we've ever had a no for Danny Trejo making a movie better. Because it's in South Boston. South yeah. Texas, he fits in. Yeah. yeah. What if he were Lambeau bragging about his Fields medal? So that leads us- Fields medal. That leads us to this new category. My apologies to the reader who suggested this. I can't remember who it was. The Mark Ruffalo, they knew, <laughs> overacting moment of the movie. So I watched this movie trying to think who is the first recipient of the Mark Ruffalo, they knew, overacting moment. And there's no overacting in this movie. They, the only one you could make a case for, which I do not agree with, is Chucky going in and doing the job interview for Will. But we all like that scene. I yeah. wouldn't say that's an overacting scene. It's comic relief. I don't feel like there's overacting in this movie. So, so Can I, just for devil's advocate. Please. Is there any... Mark Ruffalo, they knew going on when Damon's like, when he's like, it's not your fault. And he's like, I know. And he's like very obviously cracking, but like, you don't think he broadcast that a little bit? Or is it just that I've been watching this movie for 25 years or whatever? And I just, I I can't not see it coming. It's one of, it's one of the only times in the movie good. where I think Robin Williams is blowing Damon off the screen. Yeah. And one of the like impressive things about Damon is obviously he's been pre- preparing his whole life to perform in this movie and he's great and he's perfect. But and it's not your fault. If you look closely when he starts to cry and he does like the crinkled up face, it's, it's kind of bad. It's like not that good. And then he hugs him and he brings him in and then you don't see him anymore. But that is the one thing that's like people have picked on that scene over the years because it's memorable, but also because it's like a little bit. Well, how would you have wanted him to play it, though? Not to defend my man, Matt Damon. <laughs> I'm not a professional actor and but, I'm not going to give Matt Damon he, notes. But what do you think he should have done? be a better actor. <laughs> but I think the whole point is he's, he's kind of melting down and trying not yeah. to. So I don't, I think that's just how he was playing it. Yeah. No, I, all right. Th- I, I was just I'll, struck I'll by it. it I was struck by it. That was Listen, it. Shay, you're the final, final say. Do you think it's, a, does he do a good job in that scene? Or you think he's like, he's telegraphing a little bit. He's like, I'm going to cry in a minute. No, he does a good job in that scene. Let me say that first. Let me also say Mark Ruffalo, the, they know, they knew line is the best part of spotlight. <laughs> By the way, we agree. Yeah. That's why it's a great so This is not a judgment. A, yeah. Chris and I love that part. Yeah, okay. Yeah, Just we making sure. Yeah, yeah. I was- They knew, Robbie! <laughs> they knew! I felt like we had been waiting all of Mark Ruffalo's career for him to raise his voice, and he finally did it he there. He did it, it's and the I best. I grabbed a hold of my seat. <laughs> Like here we go. He's gonna turn into so the maybe Hulk. maybe that's that movie how- is literally people reading phone books for like two hours, and then Mark <laughs> Ruffalo blows his top, and it is so the maybe best. that's how we should tweak this category. It's the Mark Ruffalo overacting. They knew scene that we also love to death. Achievement in overacting. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's yeah. like you're you I did like a great it. job. You know who you can give it to? You can give it to Clark with the ponytail, who was exactly over the top perfect for that. Even his ponytail is like just a little bit frazzled. It's not. Pulled tightly together. What do you think of that, Chris? I like that. I mean, I think that I think just like his look is like definitely. Like, Shout mm-hmm. out, by the way. I can't believe we went this far without saying the part that that guy became more famous for. Oz. He was Ryan O'Reilly's o- brother. O'Reilly's slightly brain yeah, yeah, damaged yeah. brother. The crazy one. And also his real life brother, Dean Winter's real life brother. <laughs> Did I know that? I don't know. <laughs> wow. They're actually brothers. Jesus. 
Ryan O'Reilly, one of the all-time great TV characters, is completely forgotten. I st- it still makes me mad when I see him in the ads, and I just don't understand why he doesn't have three Oscar nominations. He's Beeper guy from 30 Rock and the guy from, Damn from the insurance ads. Yeah. Bad agent. Uh, we're going to do Unintentional Comedy Award next. I only have two, unless you guys have anything to add. Matt Damon's hair with the frosted tips. Like, just because you know it bothers him. It's like his one thing he'd take back. And then... I think super duper skinny Ben Affleck is kind of funny now that he's Batman <laughs> Ben Affleck. This is like the, uh, it's like seeing Sammy Sosa's baseball card on the Texas Rangers in 1988. Uh-huh. He's like 138 pounds in this movie. Uh-huh. Uh, any other unintentional comedy yeah, you guys have? The fucking fight is in the unintentional comedy. Like the slow motion <laughs> right, punch, punches in the face are it's it's really definitely funny. in there. Okay. Good one. I got two. Okay. The first one is. It's a, and they're both very quick little scenes, but when they're at the baseball game or three, they're at the baseball game. I love that they know the kid's name, even though none of them are related related to to it. Why are they watching a little league game? Are they just bored? Yeah. Yeah, I think it's like what they do in in all the, uh, that's an authentic scene. Yeah. In all the old football movies where like the parents are all just watching. Right. But these guys are not even parents. They're just there telling them to dig out to like that part. Also in that scene, I really think it's just super funny that. Matt Damon remembers getting beat up all the way back in kindergarten. Nobody right. remembers anything from kindergarten. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know about that. But my very favorite little thing that happens in the movie is in the bar scene when Clark first comes up to Matt Damon and he's sort of quizzing him and he starts spouting off whatever smart things. Matt, uh, uh, Ben Affleck reaches up and scratches his head <laughs> like a like a fucking chimp looking at an iPod. Like he doesn't know what's going on. He literally scratches it and then he puts it back down and he's like trying to Calculate everything. That's my favorite accidentally funny part. Oh. I have one like nitpick about about this movie. Okay. That's good because we're getting right to picking nits right now. Okay, go. Why don't you lead off? Get, the start. You start, and I'll finish it. One of my favorite scenes in the movie is that entire soliloquy that Damon has when he's doing the interview with the NSA. That part is like really great. That it's hard merges to deliver. into him in the office. Yes, yeah. it flashes back. Great filmmaking. He's the way he delivers it is phenomenal. The only part I don't understand is like. Why in the world is the NSA trying to convince this felon to come work for them? Like, why does the NSA have to bend over that's, backwards? I think that's a vestige of the original script, I think. It must be, right? Yeah. They, they should have just, like, pivoted it into, like, a like a private weapons firm or something. Like, the United States government bringing in Matt Damon, who's been arrested 15 times in two years, to to break codes just seems incredibly unreasonably illogical. And... I don't. It just feels like it's happening in a different movie, and it didn't stick out to me as much as it did on this watch. There's, yeah, there's like three scenes you could cut out, and it's probably the same movie. That's one. Yeah, as much as we love the Chucky scene, you could probably just cut that out right. completely. Right. Exactly. Yeah, that one's just comic relief. Yeah. Uh, I had my biggest nitpick is Chucky and Cole Hauser would have immediately beat the shit out of Ponytail Guy, and Damon <laughs> has no dialogue in that scene. In real life, that guy's that guy's a broken jaw and a concussion, and. It ends badly for him. Nobody in the MIT class could figure out either equation. These are the best, <laughs> the best people we have to offer. It's a great call. Not one person was almost there. Nobody steps up and says like I solved it just for like because that pretended? always happens yeah. in school movies where somebody Credit like taking? I love when he's like Jack. Was it you, Ganesh? Like, nope. <laughs> Ganesh is like no way. 
Were there other times when Chucky picked up Will and he wasn't home where he thought, oh, this is it. He finally left, but he just wasn't there because he was sleeping over somebody's house or he's getting coffee. Yeah, he's walking down I mean, the alley. So he looks in, there's no furniture, and this was the time he knew this It's time. also strange that Chucky is like, I will enable all of your bad behavior, but secretly wish you would just get out of Boston with your lottery ticket mind. Right. It's like, so then why would you drive around Southie and get into random gang fights with him if you're so concerned with him getting get out of, of Southie? You know? Yeah. Best quote. What was your biggest nitpick? I, eh. I, I dropped mine. The other thing too is just that the the Elliot Smith music is good, and the Danny Elfman score sucks. I hate the Danny Elfman, and it's Elfman happening score. in like a completely different movie. Yeah, it's like P- the Pee Wee's Big Adventure. That's the mm. Castle score. Rock movie. It's like the weird, like yeah. it's just like everything is like a track, like a, a crane shot down on like the campus, and it's like da na na na. Yeah, it's it's all really nineties. Yeah, and the rest of the movie doesn't feel like that. My other big nitpick is I think Sean's a fake Red Sox fan. Didn't really care about the team that much. I I have a one (laughs) nitpick where I think it's early in the movie when when Affleck goes to pick up Damon and he gets out of the car and he's walking and Affleck comes out. He brings the the coffee to him instead of just leaving it in the car. It's not happening. That's weird. Hmm. Best quote, my boy's wicked smart. How about them apples? It's not your fault. I will end you. I'll fucking end you. Do you know how easy this is for me? Do you know how fucking easy this is for me? It's a good engine. Son of a bitch, you stole <laughs> my line. Engine. Probably the last one, right? Son of a bitch, you stole my line. It's pretty great. That's a great one. Yeah. I like Chuck. I had a double burger. I like, here's your fucking double burger. <laughs> double burger. Double burger. Chuck, I had a double burger. Did you shut the fuck up? I know what you ordered. I was there. So give me my fucking sandwich. You mean your sandwich? I bought it. That's my favorite line of the whole movie. Put your sandwich on layaway. I've done that like several times to my kids in the car without the curse word, throwing a thing at them. Do you want to do patch kids? Do you want to do Cole Hauser telling uh, Will Hunting that it's a good engine? Good car, dude. The engine's good. Engine's good. It's a good car. It's a good engine. (laughs) It's a good engine. (laughs) He's he's so like kind of under the radar with it, but also secretly proud of all the time he spent uh redoing the engine. uh You can tell he he. Nailed it. He probably worked on that car for real. I fucking love Cole Hazard in this movie. I'm upset Cole Hazard didn't have a better career. I'm just throwing it out there. Probably unanswerable questions. Should they remake this with the second half of the script included? With the thriller the part? CIA wrinkle and turn it into a Netflix series, A, and B, would you watch it? It's a remake. They're remaking Good Will Hunting. It's a 10-episode Netflix series. Shay, would you watch that? 100%. I watched the Limitless series. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I would watch Good Will Hunting. Shay and I both love Limitless. Anytime you have a any sort of movie where somebody's smarter than everyone else and they're figuring things out, mm. yeah, I love it. I usually stay away from remaking rewatchable movies, but I feel like the obvious casting is, is staring us in the face and we can't let it go. Yeah. Because Elgort and Chalamet oh. are right there with Elgort as Affleck and Chalamet as Damon. And they're oh, like wow. basically playing this out in real time on Instagram anyway. They went to the same <laughs> high school. Elgort was kind of ahead of Chalamet. And now Chalamet is pulling ahead, but they're pretending to be buddies anyway. And they love the Knicks and they're like New York guys. It's right there. Elgort's a little bit like empty in the head. Pretty boy. Chalamet's got this nervy energy. It would be perfect. So first three episodes are basically the movie, and then it moves into the CIA stuff. Who would you cast as this as the therapist? Now, 
Ruffalo? I still like your Jeff Bridges thing, but yeah, Ruffalo would be good. This is a good Russell Crowe. This is a good lane for John Hamm to lean into. Oh, oh yes. yes. <laughs> Grow the beard. Yeah. He's a little older. He's available. I need a strong supporting part in a big project. You know he's, he's got like, affleck ties. He's, yeah. he's ready to say this is the not fucking around crew yeah. again. He yeah. wants to go back to He's Boston. intimidating but smart. Yeah. He could be a little haggard. I don't know. I would watch the shit out of that show. Elgort, See? Chalamet, and Ham. My God. Who's Minnie? Tessa Thompson. Ooh. Boom. Tessa Thompson. I like mm-hmm. this. All right. So Ringer Films is producing <laughs> yeah. an adaptation of Goodwill Hunting, the series. It's 10 episode commitment. Second question, follow up to that. What does black Goodwill Hunting look like, Shay? What? <laughs> There's no white people in Goodwill Hunting. Where no. is it? You know how the Hollywood remakes movies exactly, sometimes with minorities? I'll tell you exactly what it is. Okay. Black Goodwill Hunting is Stomp the Yard. That's what it is. <laughs> That's what it is. Didn't, uh, didn't Gus Van Sant like, do a like kind of a version of this with uh, Finding Forrester? You know, isn't Finding Forrester like a little bit of little shades bit. of Goodwill Hunting? A little bit. Yeah. That movie has some issues. Yeah. That movie should have been good. Finding Forrester to me is, was a missed opportunity. It just it, it invented the modern internet, though, man. You're the man yeah. now, dog. You're the man now, dog. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a flashback scene with Robin Williams and his wife, what actress plays the wife? Deborah Winger. Hmm. What does Sean's wife look like? Sean's She's wife. She's got to look like a lifelong Boston lady. Yeah. She's lo- looking like a little. Like, They're 10 uh, years. It happens like. Is What's it, that actress's name? Amy Ryan? Whoever the Amy Ryan was of the in mid-90s. The wire? What about Bonnie Bedelia? Bon- eh, no, not Boston enough. I don't know what that means. Should it be Conan O'Brien? From Boston. <laughs> <laughs> Should it be Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. And- <laughs> anyway, uh, how long did Will sk- stay with Skylar? We'll go around the room. Well, how long do you we're give presuming them? that he finds her. He makes it to LA. How did he, how did he find finds her? her? He just knew where she was going to school, right? He just chased her down. It was early internet. He was on message boards <laughs> looking for her, <laughs> typing in it. He's a genius. Of course he found her. Well, he she, was, she was going to Stanford, right? So he was going yeah, to Northern California. Um, a semester. I feel like they, they have like three or four good weeks. Then it starts to fall apart a and little she, bit. They're get, they get a little drunk one night. She's like, you told me you didn't love me. What am I going to do out? What am I supposed to do out here? Yeah. You know, like what's like, what's Will's. Cause the thing is, is that Lambo is going to have to be Will's reference. Cause like no one else really knows about him. Yeah. And so his attitude, it's like, he's not going to walk in at just any, the thing is, is like, Will should be, a, is, is probably winds up. Are we going to do like, what happens to these people? Are we talking about what happens yeah, to all these guys? It right now. Because I think Will becomes an asshole hedge fund manager. Oh my God. And I think Chucky becomes Matt Patricia. <laughs> <laughs> I think great. Chucky is 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 basically like got a sharpie in his in his hat and is is like crunching tape for Belichick. <laughs> Here's what I think happens, Shay. Okay, I think he shows up. I think she's happy to see him. They get through whatever they get through. They go out on a Saturday night to a party, and one of the Stanford kids makes fun of his accent, and he beats the shit out of the kid at the party and goes to jail. And then she bails him out, and within three weeks they've broken up. I like that. Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna twist it a little bit though. Okay. Because I like the idea of Goodwill Hunting in jail. So he beats the kid up. It becomes a prison movie. He goes to jail, and we get a shot caller situation. <laughs> he has to join a gang, 
and he becomes the head of the. That's the new Goodwill Hunting that's too. That's the new Goodwill Hunting. <laughs> no, but he's a genius. He figures out how to break out. Uh, yeah, exactly. Oh, that would have been great. Goodwill Hunting too. Mm-hmm. He's in jail in Palo Alto. <laughs> I just isn't it so obvious that he becomes like a tech billionaire? Like, isn't it just he's like a Steve Jobsian figure? He's going That's to Stanford. That's Goodwill Hunting too. He's a tech billionaire. Yeah, like he's going to Northern California. It's right in the late '90s when all that stuff is starting to really break. He's got a a, a wife to be who's going to be a doctor. It's a very idyllic thing, but he's also this like bristling, intense guy with a difficult childhood. It's all Steve Jobs. It all sounds like Steve Jobs. And I think then, they're probably like the one obvious one for for a sequel or whatever would be that he becomes Sean, that he becomes a yeah, therapist. Yeah, that's what it has to be. No, that's what I feel like. I don't want that. They're gonna they're gonna no. br- they're gonna be together because he's only twenty. They get down there. He realizes like oh, we're not gonna spend the rest of our lives together. He goes back to Boston. Sean has passed away from a heart attack. Ah, uh, he starts working construction again, and that's just his life. No, he's that friend. I can't accept that. What if he becomes the tech billionaire? And like 15 years pass, but then stories come out about his past and all the crimes he committed mm. and anger issues. And it becomes like a kind of a lens of internet culture right now where you retroactively go back and get people. Or he goes back, gets that construction job, but Chucky fulfills his promise to try and kill him. And the rest of the movie is like, <laughs> oh, is like face off. Where they're Batman. just like shooting at each other throughout Boston. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like an action movie. Like I was being serious. Yeah, Goodwill Hunting ta, ta. to Hunting Will. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little purge. Yes. I what fucking if they- told you I was going to kill you, bro. <laughs> <laughs> what if Goodwill Hunting Two had just been the town? And Damon yes! Affleck had been it, yes. and it just that would have oh, been wow. the plot of the town. Mm-hmm. Do you think- Damon's back? His life has failed. Do you think Affleck ever tried to convince Damon to do the renter part? The no town? question. Absolutely. Live I don't, actually, there's you know no, what? I, I take I, it back. I disagree. There's no, no I think no. he want, he wanted to kind of do his own thing without outside okay. the Damon okay. Shadow. I actually Damon I can't play mind. that role. That's a role he can't play. Oh, yeah. I don't. I disagree. He the can't Renner play part? crazy. No, yeah. I think Damon would be like could do ham, but I don't think he could do the Renner part. Renner is like incredible in the town. Yeah, I hope Matt Damon's listening because they're directly challenging your acting. You don't think he could play crazy? Mm-mm. I'm trying to when think. Has, has he, he ever, ever played crazy? He's never been able to do it. Talented Mr. Ripley was crazy. But not this kind of crazy. Talented Mr. Ripley was reactionary crazy. <laughs> he kills Jude Law in the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Renner here. Wait. Okay. Honest, straight up question. I know they've tried to do stuff before, but why have these two guys not made another movie together? They just, I, they said that they no had gone their separate ways professionally, but that they kind of like wound up back together, like where they like live close to each other, or they did live close to each other. But there was the movie and they, they were doing. they have a show coming up on Showtime. That's called like the city or something like that, which is based. They're executive producing. That's basically like a wire for Boston. But they were doing the Fritz Peterson, Mike Kekich wife swap Yankees pitcher movie. That was happening. Yes, they were going to be. That would have been amazing. It fell through. So I think after that fell through, they probably just didn't find the right thing. Yet. I just think Affleck has now proven to be a, a, a at times a great director, and Damon. I feel like is a is a there's a great writer in there somewhere and. He doesn't do that anymore, and he's I wish too he rich. would. I know, but he's, just make it make it an all time classic million movie dollars. Together. But you made Good, Good Will Hunting. Try try something it's, else. I, it's not like he's like I don't need to make movies anymore. I'm so rich. He makes like three movies a year still. Why are you making the Great Wall? 
make the next Goodwill Hunting. Make more here's money. A, here's a that conspiracy movie made a lot for of money you. for him. It did. Matt Damon doesn't want to because I mean, not Matt Damon. Ben Affleck doesn't want to make a movie with Matt Damon because Matt Damon just doesn't look cool anymore. Oh, oh, I thought you were gonna say because no, Matt Damon that's dunk true. on him. He I don't doesn't think so. look cool. I mean, I'm not arguing against that or for it, but I, Damon, those guys are buddies. Sure, but the, he was the cool one in Goodwill Hunting. You need that. Can I give you my theory? He's not that. I think he's mad that he got cut out of Ocean's Eleven. Why was Ben Affleck not in Ocean's Eleven? Was he supposed to be? What? Why? I don't think he got the invite. <laughs> I think he was like, "Fuck Matt Damon. He cut me out of Ocean's Eleven. No, I don't that's know. not true. But why wasn't Affleck in Ocean's Eleven? I've always wondered that. I don't Who, know. Whose role does he play? Let's see. When's the last get time Affleck had like a good time? Like, how does he not? How, how does he not help that movie? If just we replace by being there? Casey with Ben in the Ocean's movies, is it better? No way. No, probably not. No way. Could he have played the Andy Garcia role in Oceans? No. Was that 11? I think he needed to be older. Okay. He was in 11 and, and I think 12. they fucked him on it. And uh, 13. One of my questions yeah. here was, oh, I'm going to ask Zach Mack really quick. Which one of the Goodwill Hunting sequels did you like the most? We just threw out five. Chris's by far. What? Hunting you know, like Will? the prison? Yeah. Goodwill Hunting Will. Hunting Will. I liked Will Hunting a shot collar. I, yeah. I <laughs> Growing a beard, just getting real dark. Uh, Will Hunting in 2018, wealthy in jail or dead. So we all think he's alive. I think he's alive. Definitely alive. You have to wonder wealthy whether or not in jail or if dead. Skyler's like, wealthy. get okay. GTFO when he shows up at her house in Palo Alto and she's like, no way. She's it's, adopted teenage acronyms. Yeah, she's invented like little, like <laughs> yeah, those. Uh, if she's like, I don't want to have anything to do with you when he shows up in Palo Alto, does he spin out? Does he say, like, I'm going to deal with the consequences? Does he mm. say, I'm going to get a job being a custodian at Stanford and just kind of like wait for her? That's creepy. No, we get a, a they break Zuckerberg situation where he's like, you okay. Oh, he creates okay. He creates Facebook. Yeah. I'm at it. Okay. Yeah. You'll see. You'll see, Erica Albright. You'll see. <laughs> it's hard to say. The biggest criticism of the movie, I think, in the past has been that the it's not your fault scene is treated like it's a cure. Like it like resolved yeah. this hardcore pain. That they they go to great lengths to be like, this a guy puts cigarettes out on me. They really do make an effort to be like, this kid was abused as a as a child. And that scene, I think a lot of people felt like, eh, like went way too fast to to take care of him. And then he hops in a car and he knows how to love and he's gonna pursue a career and pursue his relationship. So if you think that he is cured. I think he's wealthy and in a relationship with Skylar. And if you think they moved way too fast past that, they probably break up after three weeks and maybe he turns into a shot caller situation because he's still damaged. And obviously he's very violent. My wife and I, it's not your fault has been a running joke. We started dating that same year. And that's always been like when one of us was upset, we'd always be like, it's not your fault. So when you had to go see about a girl, it was about a new girl. That's, that's how it all, it all, it all comes around. Wow. What is everybody in here is in a relationship? You have a Matt Damon line that you have a joke with with your wife. I have one too. What is it from Rounders? Yeah, when he goes, I knew it. I, f- I fucking knew it. That one line, and I say that all the time with Laramie. It's a good one. Do you have a Matt Damon line that you do? Yeah, with? I do the whole soliloquy from Saving Private Ryan okay. every night before I go to sleep <laughs> to my wife. Okay. I will you say, you said no. You have to make fun of me. Sean. I just crush up painkillers and put them on potatoes and then put them in the microwave from the Martian. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is it. <laughs> Good Will Hunting does have a shitload of quotes. I used to do that gimmick for page two when I hand out movie quotes as awards. I don't think I ever did it with Good Will Hunting. I was always saving it because it was always one of the best ones. And I don't think I ever actually did it. Patriots are in the Super Bowl. And if I did it, then I'm so old and I forgot. 
what is Chucky doing now? Chucky is now 42 years old. Chucky's leading the construction crew. He took over his uncle's I think he's the assistant crew. foreman. Yeah. What's, what's Southie like now? Much nicer. So you think he gets priced out nicer. of Southie? You think no, because he, probably, he probably owned whatever crap house he had, and it's now probably worth five times as much. So he either had to stay, sell the house, and move, or whatever. I'd like to think of he took over the bar. The, 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 oh, the, with like Cole. The, yeah. Cole Hazard definitely owns an auto shop and then got murdered by an irate customer. <laughs> no, I disagree. And now Cole, it's Cole Hauser was part of Sean Penn's crew. And, <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. yeah, he was the muscle. Uh, Casey Affleck clearly moved to LA to go see Will Hunting and then stayed and became a comedian. He's living in the pool house. Yeah. 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 Um, Will's friends came out to see him at some point within a year and it went badly. Shay, how badly did it go? What happened? Cole killed the guy. <laughs> Cole killed the guy. And, and they we, buried his body. And we get a whole new movie. I think that those that. guys get arrested getting off the plane in LAX. Like, because they, they were too drunk on the plane. Because they get too tanked on, on the they plane. They never actually see Will Hunting yeah, in they California. They just get put back on like a jail plane back to Boston. <laughs> uh, last, que- last unanswerable question. It actually probably is answerable, but I'm going to throw it out there. Is this the best Boston movie of all time? I think John you, you have to answer that. I, you know, well, then I'm going to hear your takes. I love The Friends of Eddie Coyle. That's one of my favorites. That's an older movie. Um, you know, I, I don't want to get too controversial here, but I don't really care about Boston. So <laughs> it's a little hard. I'm trying to get fired. No, I, no, you know, no. Here's the con- here, here are the qualifications. <laughs> he just the, skipped, he right, just by skipped right over no, that. No, hold on. No, we're no, not going to talk about that at all. Because I think Chicago has its like signature Chicago movie, Philly, Minnesota, whatever. If it's going to be the signature movie of a city, it's got to A, be an awesome movie. B, it's got to use the city. Mm-hmm. C, it's got to be authentic to the city. And D, it has to be a movie that it only could have taken place in the city. Like Rocky is a Philly movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If, it, if you moved it to Chicago, you'd have to change at least a chunk of that yeah, movie. Same thing. And the same thing for a lo- large part of Creed. Right. Yeah. So that's... That would be my goodwill hunting argument. I, I I get it. I think I've just been to Boston three times in my life. I don't know Boston. I don't really know what the difference between like Cambridge and Boston really is. So to me, it's not like wow, what a great Boston. No, movie. I mean, I meant more like best Boston based movie. I'd rather watch The Departed. Okay, so the the final three is basically The Departed, Goodwill Hunting, and The Verdict. And That's, I would have the, the town. I like the town. I'd have the town as fourth. Town. I'm going with the town. Okay, Chris. Uh, I like I too like Friends of Eddie Coyle. I feel like we're forgetting one, but I would probably say there's been others, but those that's the Mount Rushmore. Yeah, I mean, like you could make an argument that the first hour of Social Network's a really good Boston movie. Yeah. I wouldn't say it's obviously not like the yeah. same way, but um, yeah, I think that I, I I I the funny thing is is that I don't think The Departed shot a lot in Boston, mm-hmm. and this and Goodwill Hunting shot a lot in Toronto as well. So. It's funny. I saw Den of Thieves and I was like, this is so cool. It's like set in Torrance and Inglewood and Rolling Hills and, and Gardenia and all these places around LA. And then I looked it up and it was like all shot in Atlanta. The answer is the verdict. Okay. Just in case okay. you're wondering. Yeah. <laughs> I accept. Yeah. Uses the city the best, has the authenticity, unbelievable movie, but Good Will Hunting very close. It's a, it's a 1A, 1B type thing. Last question. Who won the movie? Basically three candidates, Damon, Affleck, Robin Williams. Sean? I'm going Robin Williams 
because it's his best performance and he's not alive. So we know that we can point back to him when they do when, when there's a, you know, a posthumous Oscar for Robin Williams. You know, it's not your fault. We'll be at the center of that montage that they show. I know. No, no, you don't. It's not your fault. Hmm? I know. It's not your fault. All right. It's not your fault. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me. It's not your fault. Don't fuck with me, all right? Don't fuck with me, Sean. Not you. It's not your that's, fault. It's the most. That's the most memorable thing for of of I, probably of his career. So Jay? I'll go Robin Williams. It's Robin. It's got to be Robin. There was no yeah. point okay. where he got beat in any scene. He was always the best guy in the in a movie full of great actors and actresses. I'm gonna go Damon. I, I agree with these guys. It's like the the Robin Williams performance is irreplaceable. But Damon has to do. Dumb, smart, physical, romantic lead, and also be believable as like a tough guy and a genius. And th- there's That's a couple a good of, argument. There's yeah. a couple of times where he does like when he does the history lesson in the bar. You're like you're definitely like you've memorized this. You have no idea what you're talking about, but it's convincing. And he has to do so much. You like, and the Bobby Chucky Tommy Ricky like yeah you, yeah, you forget how much he has to do in this movie. When you rewatch it, you're like, oh man, you have to cry. You have to be a tough guy. You have to be convincing as a boyfriend. Convincing as like you could be a genius. You know, like it's just it's a great performance by him. Yeah, he's pretty I, good. So I'm going with Damon just because I think other people could have played the Williams part and been really good. And I don't know who else plays the Damon part. I really don't. And if you go back the last 30 years of actors, I don't know who makes it work the way it worked. Like if you put Leo in this movie, right? Mm-hmm. We always talk about Leo versus Damon is like in the departed. If they switch scenes, we talked about that mm-hmm. when we did the rewatchables about that. I just don't think it works as well. Leo and Leo's a great actor, but it's missing like 5% of the authenticity in the Boston DNA and just like how personal it was. I think you're right. We saw a little bit of like, I think what a Leo version would have been, which is more like catch me if you can. Yeah. Where, you know, he has to play like a lot of different colors and all, he's obviously a brilliant in his own way, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't have been, Damon seems kind of tough. You know, he seems like he could kick the shit out of you. You know, that's a, that's weird. I don't know if I think of Matt Damon that way now, but that's a unique thing he's able to pull also, off. Also, there's like a really important thing with Brad Pitt we've talked about before, which is Brad Pitt is good at playing dumber than he is, but not good at playing smarter than he is. Mm. So he's really good in True Romance. He's really good in Seven, where he's just like, I'm fighting against my own mind here. Yeah. Fight Club's kind of like an outlier there because it's like, is Tyler Durden smart? I don't know. But I don't know if Brad Pitt could have convincingly done like the the revolutionary America economic system speech the way Damon does. I think he could have done Chucky. Yeah. He's sure. too short to be Chucky. Sure. You need a big guy Is for Brad Chucky. Pitt short? That's a whole other rewatchables. I, I wish we would have got a Robin Williams mini driver scene in Good Will Hunting. It's, the only it's probably thing deleted missing. somewhere on something. Yeah, the, uh, the argument for Robin Williams against Damon, I think, comes down to he's probably better in the It's Not Your Fault scene. But I think Damon, the other scene, the big scene they have is the first one when he challenges him with the painting and that whole thing. And Damon holds his own and then some in that scene. So I really do feel like he was trying to play the it's not your fault scene a certain way. It's close. And kind of Williams overpowered him a little. Uh, that's it. Anything else? CR? It's not your fault, Bill. It's not your fault. <laughs> uh 
Thank you, fellas. Thanks to ZipRecruiter, the 2018 presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons podcast, the smartest way to hire. My listeners can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash BS. Thanks to Hotel Tonight. They help you find amazing hotel deals at the last minute. Book a room up to seven days in advance, even book up to 100 days in advance in certain major cities with Hotel Tonight's HT Perks program. The more you book, the better the deals get. Whether you need a sweet deal in a nice room for today, Valentine's Day, or beyond, you definitely want to download the Hotel Tonight app. Start scoring amazing deals right now in the Hotel Tonight app. Just download it, and there you go. Uh, we're coming back. We're ta- we taped uh, Varsity Blues at Largo, and we're running that on the rewatchables next week. So if you want to watch the movie ahead of time, that's what's coming next. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Sean. Thank you, Shay. Yeah. Thanks, Bill. 